Welcome to the Purposeful Parent Podcast, a podcast for inspired parents. I'm Melissa. And I'm Kristen. I'm a parent of two little girls and the founder of Inner Architects. I love guiding parents and giving them a space to meaningfully connect, communicate effectively, break cycles, and learn to intentionally parent their kids. I'm an educator, a children's book author, and founder of Language Ninjas. With Language Ninjas and my books on the power of our words, parents and kids are given tools to empower their language. On this podcast, we are highlighting parents and educators who are choosing to mindfully show up differently for kids. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purposeful Parent Podcast. Today we are Today, we are talking with Avril Brown. Avril is a mom coach, mind-body practitioner. She is an E4 trauma-trained and and she's certified in core skills trauma treatment. Motherhood brought Avril to her knees and she was struck with the realization that to break generational patterns and to be a parent she wants to be the parent she wants to be, she first needs to do the inner work. Avril now uses her professional training and personal experience to empower other moms to deeply get to know who they are. And we're so glad to have you here today talking with us. Thank you. It is so good to be here. And I really appreciate you having me here. Mm -hmm. You have, yeah, you, you use your personal experience plus all of the stuff you've learned professionally to empower other moms. And before we start talking about that and learn what you do, we'd love to, We'd love for you to tell us more about you and your parenting journey. Cool. So I'm an apple and I have a, we, we have a nine-year-old um, son who's neurodiverse. And truthfully, motherhood really did bring, when I say it brought me to my knees, I mean it brought me to my knees. It really showed me where all of the, the previous stuff that I had been able to keep um, sort of under wraps and managed through life was was not able to be managed anymore because when you're a mom, it's really raw, it's really vulnerable. You don't have necessarily the supports in place. You don't have the stuff for you that you had before you became a mom. And so it was. I was. I felt really stripped bare. Um, I had a long history with anorexia, so I had anorexia for twenty years, and it, I wasn't fully recovered when I had our son. Um, and he, it just showed me, he just showed me where I had all of this stuff that I needed to heal. Um, he had very big emotions and sensory issues, and I really couldn't cope with them. I really struggled to cope with them because I realized where my big emotions had been suppressed from I was a child. So I had decades of suppressed stuff that, that my son was able to bring to the surface. And so it was very uncomfortable for me. It was, it was like looking in a mirror every single day and seeing all of my shadow sides, the worst parts of me, looking back at me. Um, and I realized that I did not want to pass this on to my son. I knew, I, obviously, I knew I had to heal the anorexia, but I'd been told I'd never do that. So that was one that was in my mind, I knew I had to do it, but specialists had told me it would never happen. And 
I, but I knew there was a lot of other stuff. I knew there was a lot of beliefs. I knew there was patterns I did not want our son to have to deal with. Um, and I could already see from a very early age some of it coming out, perfectionism um, in him, just in the way he, he played and he built with his blocks and stuff like that. So I knew it was up to me. I really had this realization that it is up to me to to change some of this. Um, and so I, so I did because I, I started the journey. I'm still on the journey. It is a never-ending journey of growth and expansion. But I really just did what I had to do because, because the stakes were too high. Suddenly there was my son. It wasn't just me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think up till then I'd avoided doing a lot of the inner work because it was just me. Now I had my child and I felt more responsible. And there was something bigger was a bigger reason for me to be to do it for so that burned a fire inside of me mm-hmm. to actually do something productive this resonates so much so I have a mom as well I have a seven and five-year-old and uh my older daughter specifically uh brings out a lot of the same things that you're talking about really like um, very much a mirror to a lot of the things I struggle with. And she, um, her personality is different than mine. So, uh, one of the things that comes up specifically with like for me and her is, um, I don't even know if I was ever asked to, to just go, like, just do, just abide, just, you know, say yes. Um, I'm the oldest of three. So it just, it, fell into my lap in some way. And I was definitely uh, praised for it. So there are moments where, you know, her younger sister is battling for something or trying to get something and she will push back. And my inner, you know, child is like, just say yes, just move over, just give her the seat, just give her the toy. And so a lot of the same things that you're talking about, those those things that are hard for us as children, um, they're definitely a reflection in in our children. And, and motherhood really did bring out a lot of that for me as well. So I'm interested to continue this conversation with you and hear more about the steps that you took. Because um, I think moms listening, parents listening to this are definitely going to, to feel similarly where at least one of their children is, is that mirror for them. So talk to us, tell us about once you did recognize that there was healing that could take place, what was the first step? What was, where, where did you lean for help? So the first step for me was realizing there was nothing wrong with me. <laughs> so that was the light bulb moment for me because all my life I thought there was something wrong with me. I'd had anorexia from I was 14 to, you know, 37, 36. And so I, there was something, there must be something wrong with me. The first step was that realization that there was nothing wrong with me and you know inherently wrong with me even with my parenting that wasn't that was not wrong that was because of patterns inside me that was because of beliefs that was because of whatever but ultimately and because there was nothing wrong with me then there was also nothing wrong with my son so this provoking this button pushing he was only pushing something that was there to be pushed um, and that was that was the like the first thing that was like wow 
there's and that honestly was so profound and um, it, it like it brought me to tears for a long quite, quite a while of sitting in that there's nothing wrong with me and it was like this dance between the grief of all of the time I'd held on to that and the joy of there's there's nothing wrong with me <laughs> this is amazing so then I I went to a lot of different professionals so I looked at um the physiological stuff obviously healing anorexia so I went to a naturopath I went to um an integrative doctor I went to I had severe adrenal fatigue as well so um the whole process really brought me to my knees in every in every way like physically mentally and emotionally um so I looked at the physical stuff but I ended up getting sicker and sicker because I was still really outsourcing my power and I wasn't addressing that my nervous system. So my nervous system was a massive getting support around with my nervous system. So I went to a practitioner called um, Somatic Experiencing, and they work with trauma, and but trauma on a on a body level. So healing like the repressed emotions on a body level, and on a nervous system level. So that's where I found myself going for the greatest support was getting somebody to support me with my nervous system so that I could come out of this fight or flight, this place of freeze that I'd been in, just the whole dysregulation. I ticked all of the boxes of nervous system dysregulation. Um, And while I went to a lot of other people along the way, that was where I actually found the the greatest support in the beginning and it wasn't with parenting people as much as um I love that there's amazing parenting information out there and parenting books it's a it's a whirlwind of information and it can get very very confusing and I think it's easy for us to look at the parenting information ahead of looking at the inner work because when we look at the parenting information it gives us a script and it gives us a strategy and it gives us a tool but it doesn't often support us to be more regulated to be more calm within ourselves long term and so we're always going to need another script and another tool and another strategy until we do the inner work in ourselves and then all of that stuff fell into place for me that's very familiar for me <laughs> um when I started learning about like my patterns, um, all the stuff that I didn't, the script basically that I didn't realize I'd been living for my life. What really truly had helped was some somatic work. Um, I, I did trauma tension release exercises and my body just all of a sudden released 36 years of stress. I didn't even know I had in my body. And, and for me, like, that was the number one thing that helped me to finally be able to be like, oh, I can calm myself. I can relax. And then from there, learning too about how, if I am noticing where I'm holding my breath and how I'm breathing, that is very effective as well. And so, yeah, I was teaching five-year-olds at the time and they had very like stressed up tight me. And then I go away for a week and I come back and I'm like more relaxed because I just had gone for to a retreat <laughs> and uh, they're like, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> Who is this person that just came back? Because I had, yeah, it was 
it's to me like the, when it all comes down to it, it was the being able to learn how to regulate my nervous system that gave me the tool, gave me what I needed to be able to learn anything else after that. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was, it's, it's so profound, isn't it? Um, just, just the impact that our nervous system has on everything else. I mean, once I healed my nervous system and released trauma, I, became colitis free and I had colitis up to then and IBS and stuff and I hasn't have had no symptoms since then because because it was all being stored my gut was where I stored so much um and people can trigger us so easily when we're dysregulated um I also noticed when I was really dysregulated I I thought I was calm because I was in that place of freeze so I would go from zero to 100 with my child because I was really calm. And then all of a sudden, there was this really intense fire burning because he'd said something or he'd done something. And what I w- didn't realize was that I wasn't calm. I was frozen. And then he was bringing me into that place of fight or flight. And so I was moving between sort of being numb and fight or flight rather than being really calm and, and then moving and, you know, him, him triggering this place. And this is why this is a foundational part of the work I do with people, with mums, because I, I just uh, feel so deeply passionate that if we don't regulate our nervous system, all of the rest of the stuff is just built on shaky foundations. You know, all of that parenting information. And it, if we're dysregulated, it can really overwhelm us. You know, we can just go out to seek more information and it sits in our head, just adding to the overwhelm. When you're dysregulated, you're already overwhelmed. More and more information just adds to that, and it doesn't actually deal with the problem. And so what I found is that, and this happened to me, but what I also find with other people is, with other mums, is that there is so much information available out there. They keep thinking they're doing it wrong because the information isn't working for them. But it's it's not that they're doing the, the information wrong. They're, most of the time, they're doing it exactly the way it's taught. It's just that that's not the problem. The problem is that not that they don't know how to parent. The problem is that there's stuff going on at a deeper level. And once we clear that, we tap into those innate parenting abilities that majority of us have. Yes, we may have some patterns to unlearn from childhood, but we do have an innate mothering nature instinct inside of us and when our needs and our nervous system is looked after then we can actually tap into the needs of our children much more easily oh go ahead melissa (laughs) yeah so i i this this resonates a ton for me as well obviously being a mom and um coming more into my own and through this journey and understanding the regulation um so I, yeah, I just wanted to, to tell you, I hear you. And, and I'm with you. so yeah, go ahead, Kristen. Oh, yeah. I was curious on what are some things that um, you're doing with moms to help them even first recognize that they do need to regulate their nervous system and then some steps to help them take so that they can start getting to a more regulated place. Yeah, cool. This is a great question. I love it. So first, I have an ebook, a free ebook on um, 
on nervous system regulation. So a lot of people will ask me for this once I sort of identify some of the some of the core symptoms of being dysregulated, they will often come to me and say, yeah, I recognize, you know, this, 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 this. Actually, I tick all the lists. Uh, and then um, they will look at my ebook, and that's often they identify that they're dysregulated, but they don't identify necessarily with the word dysregulation because that's once we get further along the journey, we can identify dysregulation. Before that, it's just a word that is just another word out there, kind of fancy schmancy word for, you know, that that the, the professionals or the coaches or the mentors know. But when you say anxiety, when you say irritability, when you say snappy, when you say you're just constantly feeling triggered or reactive by your kids, then they're like, ah, oh, okay, yes, that actually makes sense. Um, so we, you know, I generally I will just jump on a call and we will talk about what what nervous system dysregulation looks like in the body. Some of it's so normalized that that people don't even recognize that that it's 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 not the way our bodies are supposed to be. You know, when people regularly will say to me five sessions in, oh, I've got IBS and I've just noticed it started improving. And I'm like, well, that that you know, that is a real sign. But they're like the doctor just says everybody has it. All my friends have it. And these things have become so normalized that that we no longer recognize that our bodies are not supposed to be working like that. So then we will um I'm very much led by the clients. Sometimes they don't want to, uh, to work on that straight away. They want to work on the relationship with their kids. So a lot of it's around education. You know, if we, if we work on this, if we start to do some, bring in some exercises around this, then the relationship with your child will, will naturally become calmer. So they may want to focus more on the relationship with their child first, but it will always, there will always be an underlying lying thing of, well, let's bring in some of these practices and you can practice them with your child because the practices I share with people um, are very much easy to do on like within a few minutes or within they're just a natural integration because, you know, hashtag mum life, we don't have hours to go sit on the mountain meditating by ourselves. It's just our our job with this regulation our journey is to do it whilst being mums because that's why we're here and doing it otherwise we would be a monk sitting on a mountaintop so we you know our job is to do it while we're with our kids and all of the practices I do can be integrated with your kids but don't tell them you're doing this to rake, to calm them down because if they're anything like my son he'll pull up the barrier and he'll say no I'm not doing it because mum wants me to calm down I, but if he sees me doing it or we practice together, then um, he, they, our kids will learn. And so we're providing them with tools as well. So, so the first place we'll, we'll look at is the education. We have to have a basic education of what is going on in our bodies, because otherwise we feel like we don't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense to us why my body is, is the way it is, why I'm irritable, why I'm snappy, why I can't sleep, you know, all of this, the symptoms coming up. And when we have some basic education, we, we drop into that realization that I had that there's nothing wrong with me. This all makes sense. You know, I make sense. Um, and so we have some basic education. I don't, once again, it's a very big rabbit hole to go down. 
So we don't want to overwhelm anyone because moms are already drowning in every like mom life. They don't need, and if you're dysregulated, there's there's no capacity to to expand a lot. So we will have some basic education, identify what state they are in, because if you're in a place of freeze, it's very different than if you're in a place of fight or flight. If, so we need different strategies. Um, and then we identify where they are and tools to support them through that. So tools that can be used on an everyday basis, as well as resources to support them in the moment. While Because building regulation takes time. So you have this, we have this foundation layer um, of, of sort of this baseline level. And most of us as mums are down at almost baseline again. We want to increase the capacity slowly so we expand the distance between baseline and when we flip, when we lose the plot. And we do this by incorporating regular practices that, that expand that capacity a bit. So it takes longer to lose, to get irritable with your kids. It takes longer to have that button pressed. Um, so that's what we're wanting to do is to expand our capacity. And we do this with regular practices, but we also sometimes need some in the moment strategies so that we, until we have that capacity expanded. So I give some in the moment strategies as well as, um, you know, those tools to support the longer term integration. And then it's about consistency. And this is where working with somebody is really supportive because it can first of all they keep you accountable but secondly if things come up and they just feel a bit wonky then you just have somebody to to sort of run things back and forth with because it's it is new sometimes the practices seem so simple that you're going to think well, how is this going to help me at all how is this going to be supportive at all to you know deal with my my child who's throwing, having a meltdown over there and who's you know really igniting a fire inside of me um, but it's about building capacity and the accountability and actually just, you know, going really slowly and gently to tune back into us because we've become so disconnected from us that we don't even know what our bodies, what works for us anymore. So it's really about dancing that line between incorporating new practices and really just tuning into your body, what is right for you and and just becoming more attuned to that, to create that sense of safety in your body. I love that. What are, um, what are some specifics, some of those in the moment strategies that you're really helping these parents with? So my favorite one for an in the moment strategy, because it's the most effective one I found is, so if your child is really triggering you and you're really losing the plot, is ice or cold simply because it works for me. So splash cold water on your face, grab an ice cube and hold an ice cube, put an ice cube, um, each, each chew on an ice cube, suck on an ice cube, um, put ice to your chest simply because that immediately brings you back into the present moment. It gets you out of that, um, that place where you're really, really like going to lose the plot, where you're going to yell, where you're going to, you know, um, say you know put your child in time out if that doesn't feel right for you whatever it is so I find just that that ice and or cold splashing cold water in your face immediately brings around that sense of brings you into that parasympathetic state so the rest and digest the relaxed sort of state and it's 
it's I mean it's so instant. So um I love to say breath, but br- often breath isn't isn't doesn't um the the kind of slap in the face that you need in that moment. So it is really good to to take you know a breath where you inhale and exhale for longer than you're inhaling. So in for a count of four, out for a count of eight. But there's a couple of reasons this this hasn't this can be a struggle for some of the mums I work with because a lot of mums uh, that I work with have kids who are neurodiverse and so their their breathing can really irritate their kids like when their breathing um is more pronounced or is slightly louder so that can really irritate the kids so the ice is really instantaneous um, and often the kids don't want them to leave them so going out grounding is another really good one go out put your feet on the ground like on the grass gives you that space gives you that pause and instantly brings something back in connection with your body like i said the breath if you have a child who's going to be okay with it um because if you spark them up that's going to add to your irritation of i can't even do what i need to to support myself to regulate in the moment but in for a count of four out for eight for five or six breaths one or two isn't going to cut it five or six gives you enough of a a pause or break to get back into the present moment ice even and um, tapping so you may have heard of a motion freedom technique but we don't need to tap on all the points and uh, in the moment of crisis because that's it's too much to remember you're going into shut down they're in they're in their place of shutdown as well so we need just even tapping on your breastbone or tapping above your eyebrows in that moment it brings you back to the present moment it brings you back into that connection with your body and that can be really supportive of just coming back to okay this is not urgent it creates that sense of safety when you think that if you're in that state of losing the plot your your body is identifying your nervous system is identifying it as that you're being chased by a tiger the tiger being your child now we know logically that is not the case but our nervous system doesn't our nervous system goes into this panic mode and your child becomes your enemy even even though i know everyone listening is really calm now and is thinking no no it doesn't look like that it feels like that in the moment it feels like that to your body so we have to get something that brings us back to the moment that grounds us and that reminds us that we are safe and our child is not the enemy so we need anything that can bring us back and and it's really coming back to the body so tapping ice cube or or splashing cold water on your face breathing and grounding outside like grounding feet on the grass can be really supportive in that moment I love I love those examples. The ice one I think is an underused um, mm. technique where it's immediate. It is like that. Oh, like feedback right away. Um, I agree that um, while my I don't think my breath necessarily triggers my children, but there are moments where I feel myself like saying, "Like everybody, just take a breath." You know, it's like it's this. It becomes a a tool that I want to use, but it's all often or sometimes done under a stressful pretense where if I did, you know, rub some ice on my chest and then come back into my own breath and then say, okay, get to my child's level, say, 
we're all going to take some breaths now. Like it would be a lot more appropriate and a lot more effective than when I'm in that heightened state saying, can we just all take a breath, you know, and being able to, to mimic it or uh, model it instead of, um, you know, speaking it and asking for it. So I think those are some really cool um, techniques that we haven't, we haven't necessarily talked about before, especially the mm-hmm. person. Yeah. And I think there's one thing that there when you mentioned about the breath, actually there's two other things that mm-hmm. the breath we, we're taught to, to tell our children, take a deep breath. We don't want to take a deep breath. A deep breath activates us even more. So it mm-hmm. really, act- so we need to take, uh, like we need to have a long exhale. So it's a long breath rather than a deep breath. Because, you know, we say, oh, get our children, take a deep breath, take a deep breath. No, no, we need to take a long breath. So we need to take a, it's like a breath in for four and then they ne- really need to blow out the candle. Mm-hmm. So smell the rose and blow out the candle. And that can be, um, you know, or even get a child to blow through a straw if you're regulated enough to get the straw out for them or get a straw yourself because that can really support that longer exhale. And the second thing I thought, if everyone's really activated, is can you turn it into play? Can you, so turning it into play where you can get that that big energy that everybody is feeling, because essentially we want to be able to disperse the energy. That's really moving through. Those other ones can help stop that energy in its tracks. And so you're not actually passing it, like um, keeping it going. But if we can disperse the energy for everybody, that's even better. So maybe you can turn it into dance. Maybe you can turn it into pillow play. And maybe, you know, turning it into people running around after each other. So if you could turn it into play, it it disperses the energy that that is the dysregulation. But it also shows your kids a really healthy way to, to get that big energy out and and it's playful and it's fun and often that really mellows us as as adults as well and um, you know where we're, we're having pillow play and suddenly we're all we're all rolling around laughing and mm-hmm. um, has been really uh, something that we've used a lot here is getting that big energy out in in fun and play and laughter as well that there are a couple things there that what you said too, when you said the deep breath, I was like, oh yeah, if we say take a deep breath, you're usually thinking about taking that deep breath to hold it. Cause you're going underwater or something. So yeah, it's like a quick inhale usually into the chest. And it's like, that's a really good point that the, you want the, a slow breath, a uh, slow exhale, not the, as much the deep breath. So that I like that, um, differentiation and yeah, then when you're m- reminding me of when I was teaching, it can be challenging when you have a bunch of kids at, at you all at once, like, Hey, I need your attention now, now, now. And they're all heightened. And so a few times, um, I just feel like, start. I I'd think of Taylor Swift and be like, all right, you guys, we just got to start shaking it off. <laughs> like shake it, shake it, shake it out. Just whatever, because it, it was so intense in that moment that I'm like, if I don't get something out of me right now and make it silly for myself, like, I'm going to explode because there's a whole bunch of energy coming at me and the finding the fun and the play in it. Not only did it help me, but it also usually lightened up all the kids too. Cause they're like, wait, what you're having fun. Oh, and I can have fun. And now we're all laughing. So yeah, those are all um, really good points and advice that you had there. Yeah. I love shaking, shaking, <laughs> swaying, dance. You know, if you've got kids that like to dance, put on some 
really goofy music and just dance, get that energy out because it's, I mean, movement is a beautiful way to regulate our nervous system. And it really, it really draws us into tuning into our bodies and to actually becoming more aligned with what feels good for me. You know, is it, is it really like, you know, head banging, getting it out? Or is it just gentle swaying? And on any given day, it might look so different. And our kids are much more in tune with their bodies than we are. And they're much less conditioned to have to have, to have a look a certain way. But when they're dancing, they don't care how it looks. They just go wild. And um, so we can actually learn so much from our kids when we bring in movement. Yeah, I love that and, and movement for sure and and the play and I think play in general, but this whole like piece of this conversation is just a beautiful reminder that none of this stuff needs to be taken so seriously. I think parents too get stuck into this like everything's a bigger deal and you know my children are are behaving in a way that you know I I want them to it to look different, I want to feel different or and we get stuck so rigid um, that the reminder of the play is just, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Like, let's just be, if we could approach many of the things like that, then life would feel easier and our kids would be more in flow. Our parenting would be more in flow. Um, that's what was coming up for me as you were kind of talking about that. Yeah, I love that, Melissa, because um, it's something that I've really been conscious of in in my own life. But also I see so many moms who, when you ask them what what what's fun for you what do you like to do what lights you up they don't know anymore and there's you know and and the, it it really hits them it can because where it's they are recognized at most is they struggle with play with their kids they struggle to have fun and I did too it is really hard I I grew up very responsible and like you mentioned at the beginning sort of that good girl I was, it wasn't put on me. I just took it on. I took on a lot of responsibility. I was old before my time. You know, I was always the mature kid. And and that that seemed like a really, you know, that seemed like a nice accolade to hold as a child. But it wasn't my role as a child. My role was to be a child and to have fun. And often we can go through our lives then and we get into parenting and there's a lot of, there is a lot of responsibility and there's a lot of stuff that we kind of have to do a lot of expectations that we both brought in but a lot of societal expectations and suddenly our household is not very fun anymore and because you know it's very strict and we might say we do things for fun for ourselves but they're often scheduled in very regimental this is and they're not really fun they're not fun as a child has it there are things for us there's self-care because we've been told we have to look after ourselves as moms, but they're not actually really heart-led, you know, impassioned fun because we've, we've tapped out of that. So it's really important for us to be able to tap back into that little girl inside of us so she gets to have some fun as well. Because And it's a practice, it's a practice of, you know, really coming back to ourselves and really tapping into that and and healing those layers of responsibility so that we can, you know, in my husband's words, lighten up a bit. <laughs> so that we can, you know, so that we can actually have fun with our kids and create a household 
that does have some of that fun in it and isn't so much about okay kids you can play now but we have to tidy up then because then we're having dinner and then we're doing you know so that we can just be with our kids in total presence and allow ourselves to enjoy the process as well along the way rather than thinking you know I'll wait till the kids have left home till I enjoy it or I'll you know just so that we can actually enjoy our kids as well as our journey through motherhood without it having to be so so rigid and so in a box that that sums up so much for it just resonates so much with me um and i'm sure with a lot of our listeners what what have you done for yourself as you as you've recognized that play has taken a back seat um what have you done for yourself to implement more play and, and what, what lights you up? Uh, what really lights me up is being in nature. So I love doing anything in nature. I love um, climbing mountains. I love sitting, sitting under trees. I love swimming in the ocean. And we're very blessed where I live that we are surrounded by all of that swimming in waterfalls. Um, so for me, that really gets me in tune with that, that really deeper sense of me and, and brings out that little girl. So I will just randomly go for a walk to the beach and all of a sudden, totally unplanned, I'm in having a swim. So I, I will it's adding spontaneity for me is a big thing for tapping into that inner child. But it's also things like putting on music and randomly dancing, going to the park and having a swing you know, going on the swing. That was one of the first things I tapped into because I love swinging. And I I didn't really do it because, you know, adults don't really. And then you're at the park and your kids are at the park. There's all just kids there. And so I wouldn't do it because nobody else was doing it. And, and so starting to do really simple little things like that, like playing. When my son asks me to do stuff, I will, I will go like, okay, yeah, let's do that. As opposed to, no because that wasn't on my schedule to do today. Um, our schedule for play today was Lego or, you know, whatever. Um, so it's being more spontaneous for me. And this one has been, this one is still a work in progress for me um, because it's, I have to do a lot of tuning into, does this feel like fun as opposed to, is my head telling me this is fun? I'm tuning into actually, is this fun going to be fun for my body? Um, so. Yeah, it's it's a, but a lot of it is spending time in in nature and just dancing in nature when I feel called to, like running around like a headless chicken, playing with my son my, with my son really, you know, frivolously uh, going down a water slide with him, uh, you know, bouncing on the trampoline with water on, you know, silly things like that have really supported me to get back into into that inner child and bring her out a bit more. And also doing a lot of inner child healing to heal that responsibility, to heal that, the, the, the weight that I was carrying that wasn't mine to carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the, the difference between like scheduling yourself play and t- thinking like this is, needs to be fun or this is fun. I'm telling myself it's fun versus like, oh, I scheduled dance on t- for today because I, I think it's fun versus actually no, this is fun. Like I just, I'm dipping my toes in the ocean right now. And yeah, the difference between the two is such, 
So it's big and it's important to notice. Mm. And another one is stuff like things like reading books, novels for just for the reading sake, because I mean, I've in the past, I've studied psychology and I've like read self-help books since I was about 14. And so self-help, self-development, making myself a better person has been a big agenda of mine. But along the way, I, I pushed aside reading for fun. You know, actually, I really want to read this novel because it's just a juicy novel and I'm enjoying the storyline in it. Um, and so getting back into reading has been a really beautiful thing for me as well to just actually sit with a novel and enjoy it because it's fun, not because it's going to, you know, make me a better person or not because I'm going to learn some tool or strategy or technique or not because it's going to support me to with my clients just because I want to read for the fun of reading yeah I um it's funny you bring up reading I um found myself in a similar position where it was very much like either business books or marketing books or self-help or growth books or you know a topic that I'm interested in but ultimately want to teach to someone else and um, my mom is very much into like just cheesy romantic like books with cowboys and all the, you know, and, and she's like, you should read this. And I'm like, that's you, I, that's a waste of time. And then, um, you know, I was at her house and I read it for the week and I'm like, this was really enjoyable. Like I couldn't put it down, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's interesting that you bring up reading in that way. And, um, I, I think this last half of this conversation is going to like, Moms are gonna be like, "Oh my God, me too." <laughs> For sure. It's yeah. It's so interesting, isn't it? How when we get to adulthood or being a mom, we we class things that are fun as waste of time. I don't have time to swing on a swing. I'll do it in the park if my child is there, and there therefore I'm there with them. But I don't have time to run in the ocean. I don't have time to read a read a book for fun because it's a waste of time as opposed to know it really nurtures my soul and makes me feel alive. And the more lit up I am, the more I bring that into my relationship with my kids, the more I bring that into my business, the more I bring that into life. And so all other relationships, every single person I touch is positively impacted by this, this beautiful, um, you know, expression that I've just tapped into rather than I'm weighed down by another theory book, because chances are everybody listening to this already knows enough. That was a big thing for me. It was like, I already knew enough, but I wasn't able to utilize it because I was packing in more and more information and I wasn't tuning into the child in front of me or the child inside of me. But it was, yeah, it's not a waste of time if it lights you up or if it acts. It um, you know, adds joy to your life. Once again, look at your child. They don't think that getting out that Lego box that now has no construction, because yesterday it had a big construction that they'd made. They don't think that starting from scratch is a waste of time again. They are so excited. They get out that box of Lego and they go again and they are thrilled to be able to start from scratch, scratch and create something new. When we get to our age, it's like, Mm-hmm. Nah, that's a waste of time because uh, you know I did one yesterday and now it's broken and I have to start all over again. So we would park that as a waste of time. 
but they just look at it with so much excitement of wow I get to do this or I get to play the same thing again today like I did yesterday it's all life is so full and present and joy-filled for our kids if we can just you know watch them and learn from them Mm, I agree agree Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so so much good stuff. <laughs> and uh, where can our listeners go to find out more about you and what you're up to, or even just to say hi and check in about like what can I do to start playing? Yeah, so I am on Facebook just at Apple Brown and Instagram at Apple One Brown, and that's it. At this stage, I have a website in progress, but it has, yeah, it's it's in progress. Tech is not my strongest skill, and um, I actually haven't really. It, I, I try to be led very much by what where I'm being guided, and the yeah, um, a website just hasn't been where I've been been best utilized in the last um year or so. So I homeschool our son. So um, yeah, there's. It's a big balance of mom, business, mm-hmm. me, all of the stuff. Um, and so things like a website just get pushed down the, the pecking order of what's what's important at the moment. So I, I'm just on social media. Nice and easy. Mm. Well, we'd love for you to also leave our listeners with a one tip a piece of advice for something actionable that they can do to more to parent more purposefully mm. um so the ah uh, yeah the one thing i would say now and it's not it's it's going to sound so simple is stop and breathe close your eyes and just put your hand on your heart and breathe into that space because when we do that we slow everything down and we come back to ourselves and just tap into the space for a few minutes when you do this you tap into your greater wisdom you immediately relax your nervous system because it and it releases oxytocin when you put your hand on your heart it brings you into that moment and just it brings you into the present into present when you're in the present moment when you're in tune with your body you can't be caught up in your head so that just will fill things for a brief moment so that you can then pause and choose what to do next so it doesn't sound it sounds so simple but it's just when I do it I'm doing it right here now and it's just so grounding and so presencing and um yeah tunes in and then ultimately it's get look after your own needs so look after your own needs even those basic ones moms the basic ones of going to the toilet of eating of drinking of rest because we just ignore those so much we ignore so yeah put your hands on your heart but ultimately after that go get your own basic basic needs met because until we look after our needs, we can't look after the, you know, we can't identify as clearly the needs of our children. That's great advice. And also I was breathing into my heart while you were saying that. I was like, yes, that feels, I feel so much more calm right mm-hmm. now. 
So yeah, thank you so much for this conversation today. I really enjoyed learning from you and talking about all these things. Yeah, you're so welcome. I've really appreciated being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Purposeful Parent Podcast. We had a really great time talking with our guests today and hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Make sure to check out the show notes to get more information on today's guests and to check out what they are up to. To learn more about Melissa and Kristen, follow The Purposeful Parent on Instagram. You can also check out what Melissa is up to by following Inner Architect on Instagram. And to keep up with Kristen, follow Language Ninjas on Instagram. We'd love to hear how you are choosing to purposefully parent, so please feel feel free to reach out and say hi.